five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. Welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin. I'm flying a little solo right now. Dan's got an anniversary and Jason's got a work dinner. But alas, I have a great guest with us today. Steph, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me on. So our listeners probably saw the title of the episode, TTRPG Kids. Uh, No, we didn't have a gaggle of kids on the show with us today. Uh, We are here to talk a little bit about your endeavor RPG Kids, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, I'm Steph, and I uh, like making games and playing them with my kid. I've also enjoyed playing other people's games with my kid, um, do a lot of playtesting, and just kind of trying them out for like educational purposes and things like that. And I like sharing that with everyone as well, which is why I started the blog. Um, nice. Aside from that, I am an engineer by trade, uh, okay. mechanical engineer. So done a little bit with some uh, aeronautics, a little bit with automotive, um, some with crash safety. So a little wow. smattering of experience there. And yeah, I like Star Trek and baking Very nice. shows. And <laughs> tabletop role-playing games <laughs> what uh is your favorite star trek series uh oh gosh i'm gonna say next generation okay just because i mean that solid was choice like, yeah i it was on all the time when i was a kid um after that i'm gonna say deep space nine so it was uh next generations just you know that's what i kind of like grew up on. i mean lucretius <laughs> borg right like how can you yeah. go wrong with you know oh, john yeah. luke picard and Riker and uh that yeah. is the one i grew up on i remember um i was in fifth grade and um you know this is like probably i i couldn't even tell you what season of star trek it was it was probably like third or fourth season you know mm-hmm. of, of next generation and like it was it was like really hitting its like groove and my friends and i would watch it all the time and talk about it and then they opened up this space center at my elementary school and it was called the krista mcauliffe space center um Mm -hmm. named after the teacher who um passed away in the challenger explosion yeah and um and uh anyway so they had the space center and it was wild. We were in fifth grade, and they offered us this class as a class to stay the night at this space center as like oh, an overnight amazing. adventure thing. And so, that's like, amazing. we went to. I know, right? And I mean, this is like <laughs> late 1980s, early 1990s, right? And like, mm-hmm. they would, um, 
they had us like boys and girls, right? Like we were we were there, like we went to school and we just stayed there at the school and just moved like we came with our our like bags of like pajamas and other things that we needed, you know? And so like um they had this whole bridge set up where like um it was similar to like have you played Ar- Artemis Bridge? Have I you have played not. that game? So oh. it's basically like uh, a bank of computers where it's uh-huh. all like um, it's all synced up together, playing the same game, and one person's like the engines guy, one person's the weapons guy, oh, you know, yeah. and like yeah. you're, you're like working together to try to do certain things and like defeat the enemies, and you know, anyway. Um, so they have like two banks of computers that were like doing that kind of a thing, and so we all had our roles, and I was the like um, the lieutenant that was in charge mm-hmm. of the weapons. And so, nice. like, I had to get, like, the four kids that were under my watch to fire at the same time to do maximum damage to the ships that we would see. And there was, like, a whole, like, video thing that would happen. And we stayed overnight, and we went on away missions. And, like, dude, it was wild. I, I was so like, cool. As a fifth grader, I was like, this is a dream come true. Yeah. You know, like, it was so amazing. And I look back, and I think that the, the school teachers that we had, we had, a, I think, a couple of um there were like teacher assistants that were helping helping out this class, right? And they were like the nerdiest people ever looking back. <laughs> and I'm sure that just like we are all in to help these kids like have yeah. the most amazing Star Trek experience of their life. So um, That's awesome. It was so cool. It was so cool. So yeah, that cemented in my mind like the best Star Trek ever is the next generation and I know yeah. people have their opinions but, you know, you just just go with what you grew up on, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, I think, um, with Doctor Who, mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, like, whoever, or, like, wherever they started, that's, like, their favorite Doctor. Right, I right. think it's a little like that with Star Trek, too, sometimes. It's kind of like, whichever one you got into first, that's, like, what you picture Star Trek is. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. So, um, yeah, well, uh... Well, we learned a little bit about you, so let's talk about Geek Week. How was yeah. how was your Geek Week? Uh, my Geek Week has been pretty good. We finished up watching Baking Impossible, which is kind of a combination <laughs> between a baking and an engineering competition. So that was kind of fun. Uh, nice. Yeah. And um, I'm playtesting a... Uh, new D&D module. It is uh, Adventures in ADHD. So it's a um, D&D game about uh, like a kind of Feywild situation okay. where a um, group of adventurers we will say gives a Fey their attention. <laughs> okay. So um, it's been fun playtesting that. Uh, the Kickstarter's coming up for um, like kind of a friend on Twitter, and it's been good experience with the group so far. So I've been doing that for kind of my D&D fix for the past week. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So is this, your, uh, is this your game, or you're just testing it for a friend? I'm testing it out for a friend. Okay, so. okay. Yeah. Well, you'll have to send us the Kickstarter details, and we'll we'll be happy to blast it out. Like, we always love checking out stuff on Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, other than that, 
I actually did just release a game today, kind of maybe looping back around to that Baking Impossible thing. So okay. I really like baking shows. So yeah. it's a um, baking competition tabletop role-playing game. It's part of a tra- of a uh, game jam on itch. So, yeah, it's been you know, a fun week. <laughs> so walk walk me through the mechanics a little bit of how this game works. How, I mean, okay. how do you take a baking show yeah. and turn it into a tabletop game? Yeah. Okay. So, um, the system that it uses is the charge system, and so it's part of the charge game jam. And the system, I've played, like, a few of the games for it. There was one that was kind of, like, themed after, like, The Witcher, and another one that was, like, a Christmassy kind of one that I played with my kid. Okay. And you kind of, um, you gain momentum as you go. So if you roll high or if you do certain things, you get to add extra dice to your dice pool. Oh, nice. Okay. That's interesting. Right. And so, like, what kind of inspired me was we're watching this baking show and we're like oh that team they like just keep going and like keep getting better and better and they keep winning each round so they get an advantage the next time and i'm like that's just like this game system and so i was like you know i i could probably do that and just sort of uh set it up so that way you gain um momentum or like this charge to your Uh dice pool whenever you win a round you roll really high or if you help your fellow competitors like if you have a little time left on your clock you can go help them and then gain points later because it's like in great british baking show they're kind of helping each other out and stuff yeah so um kind of set it up like that so each round of the competition you have uh different challenges so there's a random table for challenges. So you might end up with having to make a savory cake that uses a secret ingredient that the, the judge or the host gives you. Okay. And things like that. So uh, you can get some funny combinations and just kind of have fun coming up with different things. And then you roll to see how well you put together like your flavors and presentation and everything. So Awesome. Well, that sounds really. It sounds really interesting, and it's funny because um, uh, you told me, it, or you you told us earlier that you're an engineer by trade, right? And so I I think your engineer brain really seems to like breaking down <laughs> these games and how they work, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think a normal person would look at this game and be like, oh, "Okay, cool, that was fun," and you're just like, "Wait a minute." I see on this, <laughs> you know, Baking Impossible that the mechanics are working this way and, you know, we can translate that into a game. So I think that's a pretty oh, yeah. unique skill set you got there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun. There's so many times I'm watching a show or um, playing like a video game or something and I'm like, oh, this should be a tabletop role playing game. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's funny because, like, people will watch, like, The Witcher, and they're like, this should be a tabletop role-playing game, which it, it is, but, you know, yeah. I mean, that's so obvious, right? Like, who would think about, like, a baking show being a role-playing game? I think that's yeah. I think that's pretty sweet. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for my Geek Week, I uh, got our new website up. So I finally, I've been working on this thing forever and just finally found the time. My wife ended up going out of town for the weekend. 
And so I said, okay, this is my chance. And so I had a couple late nights just, like, trying to work on the code. I am not a website designer by trade. <laughs> and uh, I'm using YouTube videos and uh, easy-to-build WordPress elements to, uh, you know, do it. But I think we got it up, and we got it working, and I'm pretty happy about that. And so now we can put up uh, some extra kind of behind-the-scenes content. So, for example, Dan, um, he wrote up. Uh, he's a huge Star Wars nut. I mean, like, uh, he has been playing Star Wars RPGs since the 80s, you know. Um, so, mm. like, he knows the ins and outs of Star Wars like crazy. And so um, he wrote up a cool, uh, uh, like, review of the Book of Boba Fett um, that w that had come out on Disney Plus there. So he did, like, the first episode. So we're planning to get, like, that up there on the website that people can check out and, and just kind of geek out on it a little bit. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. And uh, let's see. The other thing was is that, oh, I've been painting some some terrain. When you play um, when you play your RPGs, are you a theater of the mind person or do you use miniatures? Like, what do you what do? You do? Uh, I do, do you a lot like? of theater of the yeah. Uh, I, I like having the like physical game out for yeah. my kid. Um, a lot of times we'll make like paper minis just cause with, so he's three. So okay. I was just going to ask having, how old he was. Yeah. Yeah. With having a three-year-old, um, like stuff gets lost and broken very easily. So <laughs> using paper ones is kind of a low risk <laughs> endeavor. Um, so with my kid, we'll do uh, more kind of like physical sets. With my regular groups, uh, we've been doing theater of the mind most out of necessity, uh -huh. uh, just because we've been doing it virtual. But hopefully, uh, maybe in the summer or so, we'll start going back to in-person sessions and uh, can start, at least for like some of the, the big kind of like end scenes and things like that yeah have like a nice set all built up yeah we've been playing we've been i've we've got a uh we're running the D D uh icewind dale rhyme of the frost maiden book right now mm -hmm. and i'm the dm for that and i like having miniatures out i've got i mean i play warhammer too and so i've got oodles and oodles of miniatures ones that I don't let my children touch because they would yeah. break in an instant. So I totally understand where you're coming from. Some of the some of the minis from like Wiz Kids or something like that, the, the actual D&D yeah. &D minis, they're a little bit sturdier. Um, they don't have as many fragile bits and like details that you're you worry about breaking. Um, yeah. but the Games Workshop ones, oh my stars, like I would not I I I <laughs> barely like other adults touching them, you know, cuz they're yeah. just so spindly sometimes. But um, uh, so I ran, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard of Shadow of the Demon Lord. It's kind of a dark, mm -hmm. low fantasy RPG. Um, yeah. Robert Schwab had, had made it. It's a great, great system. And I ran a campaign for two years and used miniatures there. And um, now I'm running this D&D &D campaign, but we've all been online since like COVID kind of basically started. And we're yeah. just wrapping up, and there's talk about, okay, do we want to start doing in-person next, you know? Um, just because we're, 
I think we're getting to that point where we're all feeling it, you know? So yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, it just, it all depends on what's happening in the world. And, you know, we're fortunate, I think, to have uh, the, the technology to facilitate online play. Mm-hmm. Because, like, even 10 years ago, it would have been rough to do that. Right. Yeah. You know? So... So we're pretty, I think, I think we're pretty fortunate to have had that. I know it helped a lot of my friends kind of just like muddle through. At least we had some gaming that we could do, right? Yeah. Uh, that wasn't just like Xbox or something like that. Yeah. So. Oh, it's definitely been a good excuse to maintain social interaction. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, definitely. Have a weekly meetup still and, you know, not have it just kind of sitting around like we've got something to do and talk like chat about and everything so yeah yeah it's funny because it's like you know i have i have some friends that i game with and i have some friends that i'm just like social friends with right and mm-hmm. we'll just kind of talk about what's going on well what's going on with covid well i watched this next net netflix show the other day and i was here and <laughs> you know right, what i mean yeah. like <laughs> it's like we weren't traveling anywhere we weren't really doing much and so it was like okay well what are you going to talk about at least we had you know, some friends that we could still game with and still talk about that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 For sure. yeah that was good. That was good. Well, um, with Dan being out, uh, we don't have the fancy schmancy news intro. So I'm just going to skip it this time because it's kind of his <laughs> thing. He really likes doing his uh, really low tech news real thing so you know it's okay (laughs) but we do have some news um the first one that i wanted to touch on is uh, a headline from kotaku uh google quietly cancels stadia or stadia which is their uh online cloud streaming game service are you familiar with stadia um vaguely i haven't used it yet I don't think anybody will be using it much. (laughs) So, so they were trying to compete with like, you know, PlayStation and Xbox, Xbox, like came out with their cloud gaming service. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in beta for a long time. It still is kind of in beta. It's probably like, you remember how like Google was in beta for like ever. I think it still is technically in beta. Um, (laughs) I, I think that's how stadia was. Right. And, um, the problem is, is they spent a lot of money to try to attract over some like AAA titles like Red Dead Redemption Two or th- uh, yeah, Red Dead Redemption Two and um, uh, Cyber tw- Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven and some of these other big ones where you could just pay like a twelve dollar a month or nineteen dollar a month service fee and then you could play mm-hmm. these anytime you wanted just on your TV on anywhere you could get a Chrome browser and um, it just didn't it just didn't pick up it looks like and so. Um, they came out with some information saying that they basically weren't going to be putting out the services their own, but helping other gaming companies um, have their experience. So I think that's telling me, like, instead of them putting games on there, they may reach out to, like, Sony and be like, hey, can, do you want to use our infrastructure to mm-hmm. have a cloud gaming service? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. It was their little foray into it. I think Apple's going to try it at one point. And I think they're going to probably end up with the same <laughs> same yeah. result. Because it's like, who looks to Apple as like the beacon of gaming, you know, uh, video gaming. Right. So yeah. not really, not really their thing. So, 
Yeah, kind of funny. Uh, it, big news in Warcry. Um, if you've listened to our show before, you know that we're really big into Warcry, which is a Games Workshop skirmish game. So mm-hmm. instead of playing with giant armies of miniatures where you have, like, maybe 200 models on the table, uh, you only have, like, eight, you know? Yeah. And a game can be played in, like, 40 minutes. And so uh, we're a big fan of Warcry on the show because we uh, try to maximize our gaming time as much as we can. And if we can fit in three games of Warcry in the time it takes to play one game of Age of Sigmar, then that's like a big win for us, right? So Mm -hmm. um, they've got a new book coming out that's called The Tome of Champions. And this is a yearly book that comes out for Warcry. But this one's really special because, one, it's the first time that they're rebalancing the point system for all the models. And like how you how you build lists, um, you, you might be familiar with this, but like you come to the table with a list, and what what it is is you're given one thousand points to play with, and each model costs a certain amount. Maybe one's like sixty five points, maybe one's one hundred and fifty points, or you know whatever it is, and so you can take as many models as you can fit within that one thousand points. Um, and so they're going to come out with kind of a rebalancing of these because there's some models that are so good for how much they cost, right? So um, they might not be a great model, but they cost so little that you can take like 10 of them and it just Mm -hmm. overpowers the game, you know? So they're going to come out with a little bit of uh, rebalancing. But the big news is that um, in the same book, they have another Games Workshop skirmish game called Warhammer Underworlds. And they have these um, like little war bands of models. It's a collection of three or four models that are based around a, a faction that they have. But they're very unique models, and they're made specifically for that. They're not just one of the normal models that you would get in a box. And they're now going to put out some rules and, um, and cards for those specific uh, models, which is really cool because they're amazing models. And I love them to death, and my poor, poor wallet is going to suffer so, so bad. <laughs> you know, because they are, they are gorgeous models, and we love to paint and do all that stuff here. And um, so it's, it's not going to be a good year for, for my wallet. Uh, it'll be a great year for my model collection. But, yeah. Uh, and they also, they also announced uh, today that there's some new box sets coming out. So, like, new factions will be getting it. Uh, Lumineth, Realm Lords, Daughters of Cain, Thunderstrike, Stormcast, Silverites, and Slanesh. You're probably like, Justin, what do those words even mean? <laughs> but um, there are different factions that have been waiting for their own boxes. And so, like, the way it works is you can go pick up one of these Warcry boxes um, that are specifically for Warcry. And it's the models from the normal game range that they have. But they've been kind of selected and pared down so that you only get like two of a model instead of having to buy a box of ten and take two out of them. You know, and so like for like the Daughters of Cain, as I said, I priced out the cheapest way to get started with that would have cost me like $150 to get started with just like a warband of eight models. You know, yeah. uh, because I would have had to buy boxes and boxes and boxes and not use like 90% of the models I just bought. But now they're going to have a Warcry box that has everything you need for a thousand points and it's going to cost you probably about $45. So, um, oh, again, nice. my poor, poor, poor wallet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's pretty good. Um, so, have you ever played the Elder Scrolls like Skyrim or Morrowind or anything like that? Oh, yeah. I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we like Skyrim is easily probably 
well, easily probably. It, <laughs> it's, I would say it's easily the most pervasive game out there. Like, everybody's played it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, everybody's played it. So, um, one of the cool things is I saw just the other day that Chip Theory Games uh, just announced a partnership with ZeniMax and the Elder Scrolls Online to produce an Elder Scrolls-themed board game. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that looks really cool. Um, they made a game not too long ago called Too Many Bones. Have you seen that before? No, I haven't. What's that one? So uh, it's really interesting. It's kind of like an RPG that you play, um, but you have to roll these dice, and you have these little, um, like your character cards is actually a neoprene mat, like a mouse okay. pad, and they have holes cut out in it, and then you put dice in there, and that allows you to do certain abilities when you get into, like, a fight or something like that. And so, you know, you go along and you, you'll draw these encounter cards that um, tell you, you know, like, you're, 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 the goal is to go slay a tyrant, right? Go kill the big bad. And on the way, like, you're, you're kind of resolving encounters that happen. You're trying to level up. You're doing these things. Um, but it's kind of a very unique system because uh, you, you put dice in certain things as you level up that give you, like, ridiculous stacking abilities and powers and things like that so um i can't wait to see what they do for the elder scrolls because i think that that seems like a very good fit mm -hmm. um especially if you've got different classes that you could do like a warrior class versus a mage versus you know like a stealthy bow guy uh you know i mean or multi-classing or something like that so I, i'm i'm very excited what they're doing They've got a nice little video of their process right now that they're working on. They're hoping that, or it's going to drop on GameFound, which is, uh, I'm not, t are you familiar with GameFound? Uh, I'm not. It's like Kickstarter, but it's like okay. for board games. And I, I just oh, recently cool. discovered it myself. So um, I think they're trying to rival <laughs> Kickstarter. Yeah, exactly. I think they're trying to rival Kickstarter. And so um, they're releasing it on GameFound in, like, October of 2022. So I'm keeping my eye open for that one. Okay. Sweet. Um, I assume you love Lord of the Rings as much as we do. I'm oh, going to yeah. assume that. Yeah. I've got so, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. So there's a Lord of the Rings role-playing game that is set to release um, here in the next little bit. It is the second edition of the One Ring RPG. And the first edition um, was handled by a company called Cubicle 7. And Cubicle 7 makes um, other RPGs. They do a lot of the Warhammer ones. So if you want to play like um, Rogue Trader or Death Watch, or, you know, which is like a Space Marine-based tabletop RPG, um, Rogue Trader. Like they do a lot of 40K. They also do um, the Warhammer uh, fantasy role-playing game, uh, which was really popular for a while. And they've got the new um, Soulbound uh, Age of Sigmar RPG that they do. They also do the Doctor Who RPG as mm -hmm. well. So they've got some of these kind of, you know, they're, they're, a lot of them are the same system. They're like a D10 system or, or D100 yeah. that you roll under, you know, for. Um, and they're all just kind of reskinned for that. Well, the One Ring um, was one of theirs that they had, but it sounds like it was canceled and uh, moved over to a Swedish publisher who has taken it over. Their name, um, I don't see what their name is, but they um, did the Alien RPG, and, re and they recently announced that they're doing a Blade Runner RPG. 
And so they're going to take over that, and um, it sounds like it's going to be released uh, on storefronts on March 22nd, so in about six weeks. So people could be playing um, the new Lord of the Rings, uh, the One Ring campaign, which sounds kind of cool. Sounds very fun. I mean, who doesn't want to be a hobbit? I mean, maybe not a hobbit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's... If you, if you could be, like, a habit or you could play Legolas, you know, which one are you going <laughs> to? <But laughs> hey, I just had an idea. So you could play a hobbit, and before you guys even leave the Shire, there could be a cooking competition in there. There you go. Right? Because hobbits love to eat. with hobbits. Yeah. I know. I know. And that would be, like, a, a session zero, let's get leveled up and go. Right? Mm-hmm. Cooking competition. I love it. Tooks versus the Baggins. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. All right, the last last, uh, bit of news that I have is that Paizo, who is famous for making um, uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder, uh, they are pairing up with Gale Force 9 to make three board games. And uh, the first one is called Pathfinder Level 20, and it's coming out in the second quarter of this year. Uh, they have one Starfinder, the Pirates of Skydock, that's coming out in the third quarter of this year. And then they have Pathfinder Tall Tales that's coming out in the fourth quarter of this year. Now, um, they didn't really talk about the last two very much in their blog that they posted, but Pathfinder Level 20, um, the one that's releasing in the second quarter of this year, so sometime probably around April, May, maybe June, um, it looks really kind of basic. Uh, you take on basically the, the the thought behind it is you are a kobold in the game, and you are in your warren, and basically you're like a low level kobold, right? And a nineteenth level fighter um, only needs five XP to hit level twenty, so he's coming to look for you. So, yeah, so you either have to, like, try to run away or maybe try to kill the guy, try to, you know, try to kill the guy and become, like, the Cobalt champion, Uh, you know, like, what do you, like, what do you try to do? So it's a a game for two to six players. Oh, it says it'll be available in April, and it's got an MSRP of uh, $30. So um, looking at the pictures here, I don't expect a ton out of this game. Um it just might be kind of a fun little... Stri- it looks like... It almost looks yeah. like um, Cobalt Checkers. Yeah, yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. It's kind of like... Well, sort of like rules light, easy to kind of drop into a game night kind of thing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Like, this one is like, uh, we have like an hour, let's play this, right? So, yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are good to kind of intersperse. Or like if uh, you have to cancel your session last minute and like only half the people show up, be kind of a good one to roll out. Yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that uh, how that plays. So, coming out in April. So, all right, a lot of good, a lot of good news there. Uh, a lot of things coming up, which I think is good because I, you know, back a little while ago, it seemed like everything got put on hold, and so there was like a weird bubble of things not coming out, you know. And then all of a sudden, like things are starting to come out a lot now. It's almost like uh, it was like dammed up for a little bit, and now it, you know. People are like, well, we got to finally start, you know, making money again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <Yes>. know, kind <laughs> of important to stay alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. 
All right, well, let's get to our main topic. So, um, Steph, you uh, mentioned that uh, you play a lot with your your uh, your boy there. Uh, you are a game developer. You've got a blog going on. Um, why don't you Why don't you give us a little bit more background about yourself? I know you you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like, how long have you been gaming? What kind of games do you like to play? Like, how often do you play? Yeah. Give us a little bit more. Yeah. So I uh, kind of within the TTRPG realm. Uh, I actually only started maybe like uh, two and a half years ago now, and I like I had played a one shot before then and fell in love with it and then it was a one shot so it kind of just ended <laughs> which, which uh was it like D D? what uh D D? yeah okay all right nice and then like my brother got me hooked on critical role <laughs> oh boy all right there we go. so it was <laughs> and then like i got my cousin hooked on it and we all kind of were like oh we should try this and i was just like oh you know what i'll just dm and so I made this whole Wow, that's a big leap. Yeah, and jumped in and had, oh, how many players? It was like, I want to say six. So it was, a, it was a fairly large group for like a first time, I think. Uh, yeah. I always say that six is, six is always my max. I mean, yeah. even as an experienced um, GM, like I've GM'd at, uh, Gil, uh, at um, Gen Con. You know, mm-hmm. uh, with yeah. like complete strangers stuff like that, and six was always like my max. Like I'm not doing more than six. I think five is like the perfect group size. Yeah, but yeah, like four yes. or five, I've handled pretty well. Yeah. Um, more than that, it's like the turns take a while, and some of the the encounters, um, it's a little hard to balance sometimes. Oh, you're absolutely so, right. I had a yeah. friend who said, like, I'll do it for 10 people. I don't care. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, that'd be hard. <laughs> that's, like, way too many. Like, you know, yeah. you just – because part of it, too, is you want to make sure that everybody gets their time in the sun. Right, you know? exactly. And, and so, like, if, you, if you're if you doing too – like, if you got too many people, it's, like, you know, too small of a pie. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 Well, so, that's pretty cool. DM, I mean, DM it yeah. right out of the gate. That That's a little – that's pretty <laughs> gutsy. Yeah. And – you know, it it kind of uh, spurred other members of the group to start up after that, too. So now two of the players from that group are now DMing their own sessions. Wow. And since then, um, after, like, COVID hit and everyone went to lockdown, I had a, um, a co-worker who joined in and they brought like a few other people and now they're kind of going off and like making their own games. So it's been uh, kind of fun to sort of teach people the games and everything. And then, you know, that, that went on for a little bit. And then last year, so 2021 towards the end of January, um, my husband and I have been working from home both engineering jobs pulling that like 60 plus hours a week with our toddler at home oh and my gosh. it was it kind of like got to like it just wasn't working yeah totally. <laughs> so um i ended up leaving my job and doing kind of like the stay at home bit uh like full time to just sort of alleviate everything 
that was going on a little bit. And I still kind of had engineering brain kicking yeah. in. Yeah. And like needed a project. So I had, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try introducing some like basic tabletop games to my kid. You know, obviously not like D&D. It was more just storytelling games and things like that. Right. And when I was trying to find resources and get advice, I would find bits and pieces of information everywhere. And there's a lot of information, but it was kind of scattered about. And if I ever asked a question on some kind of forum or social media, I got totally different responses every single time. And like putting all of that together into something somewhat cohesive so I had like a good base to start yeah. off of with my kid. Um, it took some work. And so what, like, what kind of advice were you getting? Like, was it helpful or was it like frustrating sometimes? Like, because I'll be honest, like we've been asked a few times, like, oh, like how, like I've got a, I've got a kid who's like five years old, six years old, mm-hmm. like, and and I'd love to play D and D. Like, how would you guys do it? You know? Mm-hmm. And we're all kind of like, uh try hero kids or yeah. <laughs> you know or something like like uh we don't know so yeah. which is part of the reason why we wanted to have you on here because we do have a bunch of people that have asked us that and mm-hmm. um so i'm curious about the advice that you got because i know the advice i gave not having really done this with like my little kids like uh wasn't very good i didn't give very good advice <laughs> <laughs> but like that was that was kind of like where I was running into, like, people kind of making a best guess, which, you know, for me, having only been playing tabletop games for a couple years, Uh it was a better guess than I probably was going to (laughs) make. So, like, I still think the best guess kind of helps. Oh, yeah. But then it was like, oh, try this game, try this game, try this game, try this game. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so many of them. And I started making this list, and it was a little bit of information overload. Like, they were all good recommendations. Yeah. Um, but I kind of started seeing a lot of people were making games for kids. But then I started seeing kind of these trends of people would make these games for kids and then have a hard time finding a, an audience consistently. Uh, and then okay. I was also seeing a lot of, like, parents and teachers and babysitters um asking for games for kids but then having a really hard time finding them so there was this kind of disconnect yeah that's really interesting it, it was just the information was out there it just it took some digging to get to it and you had to like ask a question on a form you might get like two or three responses and it devolved into some kind of argument about like you know what's appropriate for the age or you ask for a game <laughs> rack for right or you ask for a game rack for like a three to five year old and they're like you know somebody's like oh no you shouldn't be even considering doing storytelling games with that age range and i'm like but then this psychology document says that you should so right there's kind of you know and it's like what kid doesn't like stories exactly you know? so <laughs> you know and you can adjust things to have it age appropriate, like no problem. Yeah. So it was, um, and then I'd get like bits and pieces of advice about that, about, you know, helping to make it more age appropriate and what connects with kids. 
So I started taking all of the bits of information together and making it into, or like feeding it back into the games that I was playing with my kid yeah, and sort of learning from that. And then I started giving advice and I was like, but I'm just contributing to this kind of like, uh, almost like a noise. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I ended up making the blog. Uh, it was kind of like I had trouble sleeping one night. Engineering brain kicked in and came up with this whole plan for how it was going to work and everything. And I just wrote it all down. A couple people encouraged me to actually go ahead and make the blog. They were like, oh, I've done one before. You know, yeah. you can definitely do it. And started uh, posting kind of my tips and tricks from when I played with my kid. I post game reviews of games that I've played with my three-year-old. Nice. Or games that I've reviewed, maybe played for charity events and things like that, that would also be appropriate for kids. Um, I also have a games list on there yeah. that has, yeah. it's like, I forget what we're up to. It's over 200 tabletop wow. RPGs for like kids or teens, and it's rated by age estimate as best I could off of like comment sections or what the author had put on there. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. I mean, if you think about it, yeah. like, that's a lot of RPGs that are out there. And I'm sure that, like, right. you know, each RPG maybe has, like, a, you know, content where you're like, okay, I can run maybe a couple sessions with my kid. But that's great. Like, uh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Like, one or two sessions with your kid and then move on to another one. Like, that's, that's totally fine, you know? Right. And um, that's been working really well with my kid because, yeah. like, toddler attention span or like interest kind of <laughs> i don't think floats. he's into i don't think he's into a year-long campaign with mom right right yeah <laughs> I, I mean like my kid will remember like elements of the story but it it doesn't need to be like this big long campaign it can be kind of modular stories and that works fine so you're saying the Game of Thrones RPG may not be the yeah. one that we're doing. <laughs> that might be, be a little much. Yeah. <laughs> like, try to keep track of who's related to who and who's... Yeah, yeah right? Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, just a quick question. When you were getting a lot of recommendations, um, how often were you told, like, oh, well, you know, sorry, or Dizzy Dizzy Dinosaurs, like, probably the way you should go, like, don't don't worry about RPGs until they're older. Um, I did get a little bit of that when I was doing my initial research. Uh -huh. But after I got the site up and was able to kind of link to some of the posts, I think that sort of helped. Okay. Um, I also did narrow a little bit where I was giving the advice. To uh, yeah, so, you were finding um, the right audience. Then. Right. There were certain forums that I think were maybe set up for argument. So I started maybe steering clear <laughs> no, from those on the internet? just from like, yeah, just from like my personal stress level. I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. We're, we're going to like go to areas where like people kind of seem to want help. So yeah. um, that kind of helped. But there's also one of the articles that I have on there is actually about using um, role-playing elements in board games. Oh, it's kind interesting. Of like a, okay. an intro. So something like um, uh, Candyland 
is is one that I've done with my kid because you can only play Candyland so many times yeah. before yeah. it grinds on you. <laughs> oh, really? Like maybe so, once? <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm orange again. Know, I just want this game right. to end. <laughs> right. Like after playing it the fourth time in a row, because you know my kid's happy. I'm like, whatever. It's educational ish. There's colors. Yeah. <laughs> um, like. Okay, well, uh, the licorice guy in the middle, this is why he looks grumpy. And there's this whole plot now with the king. So, you know, you can kind of start introducing story elements and a little bit of role playing. And it's like, oh, your gingerbread person is actually, um, they've been zapped with magic and they have to get to the end to undo the spell and get turned back to normal and things like that. So, you know, you can add little elements like that as an intro to get ready for like other tabletop role playing games. So I, even I the think board that's games, great. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's so good because um, you know, sometimes it feels like a chore to play these games with the kids, like shoots and ladders and all this stuff, yeah. right? Like you're just like, okay, I just keep rolling these dice and I keep <laughs> going down the giant snake. Right. Again, there's no strategy. You know, there's no strategy. <laughs> it's all luck, right? But um, if you could introduce a story element to it, I I think it's like probably a thousand times more fun for the kids because mm-hmm. now they've got an objective, right? They they had right. an objective before, which is like get to the end, but that's a really lame objective. That'd be right. like starting a D and D campaign and be like, okay, your objective is to kill the bad guy. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, and like, then it's just like a grind to get there. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, adding those elements in there, I think, is great. And uh, look, I remember um, it's really funny. I I was playing The Witcher One on the computer, mm-hmm. right? And uh, this is oh gosh, this is ten years ago, probably something like that. And it was a really nice day. And my wife's like, "All right, you got to get off the computer and let's go outside." You know, just it's too nice out there. And so I went out there, and my daughter's just, like, walking around. And I was like, okay, well, we're going to be little witchers, you know? Because mm-hmm. I just had it on the brain. And so I was like, all right, we're going to go hunt for little goblins, right? And stuff like that. And so we started, like, banging bushes with sticks and, you know, throwing rocks at things. And we had a great time um, doing that kind of a thing. And now that was, I guess, I guess that was, LAR- we were LARPing, now that I yeah. think about it. Well, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. We were LARPing. Oh, great. I, I kind of had the badge of never having LARPed before, but now I realize, <laughs> <laughs> now I realize I'm, I'm a total LARPer. Okay, great. Um, but, uh, you know, that made that playtime so much more fun because she got to really use her imagination. And so you're playing Dizzy Dizzy Dinosaur or, you know, I don't know, some of these other games where you know shoots and ladders where you can be like okay well he's got to get there because of this all of a sudden like that means something to the kid right right yeah Yeah. there's a reason to get to the end now yeah and that's been one of the really big things with these games is like i've been playtesting quite a bit with my kid over the past year and the ones that set up like a really good story or like facilitate that well oh my gosh the interaction just like imagination goes off the walls so um 
like there's this one dino ninjas like oh that sounds like, amazing right ninja <laughs> dinosaurs that have to go stop like the evil doctor dinosaur at the end from i, I forget what the it's like he had dinosaur robots or something attacking you or like cyborg triceratops or something uh-huh. i mean it's it's weird and it's wonderful and my kid was super into it there's um like this uh fairies of the misclade one it's okay. all done in rhyme like a storybook oh and interesting. there's like you have to um there's little puzzles that come with it there's a map that you fill out as you go along so there's drawing and coloring and doing oh, mazes wow. and things like that so i mean you're getting kind of the educational elements in there yeah and there's a reason to do it because it's attached to the story so there's a lot of really creative games out there that either are just fun or they've got a lot of cool educational elements uh inspire isles is another one that we've been using a lot recently and that one um has sign language as an element in it we really? actually started doing like a letter of the day and I give my kid an extra bonus die um, for doing the letter of the day in sign language. Oh, nice. So I, we're up to you in the alphabet. So we're almost through the alphabet. I'm going to start on words soon. That's so, pretty amazing. So yeah. how many of these games are like um, educational? Because I feel like that that's probably mm-hmm. a strong bend on some of these games, right? Which is... Um, not only your kids like having fun, but it's educational too, right? Mm-hmm. That seems to be like a good marketing kind of strategy yeah. with this. Like for so parents are like, oh, I don't feel bad about giving my kid games, and which yeah. I don't know why you would feel bad about as a parent, right? right. Like, just have fun, <laughs> right? Oh man, yeah. my kid's having fun. I feel horrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like some, a lot of them do have educational elements. Um, but not all of them do. But I think still tabletop games themselves are educational. Yes, I um, 100% agree with that. Right. You've got, there's like the math and strategy and mechanics and tracking and object permanence and everything like that. Uh-huh. But then also there's social interactions. And right. with kids... I mean, at least with my experience, I want it to be more about social experiences versus fighting because I, I don't want my three-year-old, like, hitting and stuff like that. So um, <laughs> Yeah, they don't have the same regulators on them as, like, an adult, right? right? So <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, we're playing hide-and-seek with a Yeti is one of my kids' favorite ones. Or um, the the Dino Ninjas. Yeah. We ended up doing dance battles for that one. Oh, as nice. Okay. The kind of somewhat semi replacement for the fight mechanics. So, um, there's ways to kind of turn it into like social education as well. And yeah. the ones that I've written, so I, I did come up with, um, it's called Story Guider. It's like a storytelling based or like focused tabletop game. I actually partnered up with a preschool to 
align like my weekly game with their social emotional curriculum. Oh, so it teaches like sharing and things like that. So it's got like little mini games and coloring pages and stuff, but it also focuses on, you know, when you're angry, instead of hitting, you can do this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's incorporated into the storytelling game and lets kids make choices about it. Um, and have the have the control to make decisions about what happens next in the story. So that um, even if it's not specifically like an educational element um, in the game, the game still serves some educational purposes. So yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. And you know, it's so funny because um, I was talking with my wife tonight. She was listening to some uh, Disney music in the house as we were kind of annoying our children singing Disney mm-hmm. duets, um, which is something we often do to bug them. But because yeah. uh, I can't sing worth a worth a lick, so you know <laughs> it's great times. Uh, but uh, you know, Hercules, a song from Hercules came on, and I stopped and I turned to my wife and I said, "Do you think it would be really funny if like you got to interview somebody from like ancient Greece?" And they're like, wait, 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 you guys actually think we believe that? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, those were yeah. our, those were our just, like, fun stories that we told, you know? Right. Um, and uh, I, I was like, that would be kind of hilarious if, if, like, we just totally took it out of context and, you know, and, and those were, like, that was, like, their their movie night. It, you know, it would be, like, somebody, like, evaluating right. that we, like, hate aliens because of we watched Independence Day. Right, You know, yeah. and something like that, you know? And so, um but, you know, it made me think, too, uh, as I was kind of thinking about this podcast, like, the power of stories, right? Uh, stories are so important, I think, for our society, and we, we have kind of gotten away from it, like, in our the way that we approach education and school and things like that, because stories, like, connect with us on an emotional level, which then kind of resonates on, like, the morality thing. So if you look at the Aesop's fables or you look at any kind of... Mm-hmm myth that's out there right there's always some sort of like lesson to be learned you know there's cautionary tales there's tales of hubris of flying too close to the sun there's you know tales of triumph of woe and things like that and uh but it's but it's in those stories that you you can understand kind of human psychology human behavior you know like you're like okay well this person was punished because they did X, Y, and Z, which was wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, we've had these stories for thousands and thousands of years in our, in our history. And why not incorporate stories today as well? Right. Because they're so powerful. And so, um, I find it really interesting when you're talking about this preschool that you're working with, because, yeah, a teacher can get up and be like, okay, you know, sharing is caring, and this is how we do it, and, like, yeah, you can give them all the rules you want, you know, and, and you can drill in that societal behavior, and I'm sure it'll stick eventually, but you tell them a story, or you let them interact with that story, I bet they'll get it a lot faster. Oh, yeah, and I've gotten some stories back from the uh, preschool about, like, some of the kids doing some really cute stuff afterwards. Yeah. Um, making a card for their friend who wasn't in the the class or that part of the story time. Yeah. Or, like, as a result of the discussion. 
in order to make sure that they felt included. Um, or coming up to the teacher afterwards, like one of the kids who hadn't been participating, and then asking if they could do the story then, and like bonding with the teacher over it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, the feels. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) no kidding. That's amazing. It definitely reaches through. And like with my kid, you know, we're stuck at home with the lockdown and everything like that still. And like I get worried about socializing and things like that. So it gives me an opportunity to help continue that sort of social emotional learning and gives me like a vehicle for that as well to help teach so you know it it definitely creates that connection like you said you can tell like oh behave oh right um do this oh do that but that's just kind of like telling someone to conform to a certain set of rules if you've got like a story you can let the kids see what happens make changes to it and experience things or like experiment with things within the story you know right. sometimes my kid will say oh i want to um scare the character away I'm like okay so if we scare the character away what do you think is going to happen right is that what we want to do what's the cause and effect and we can play that out and sometimes you know we'll do something and then my kid's like oh i i don't think that was like you know my kid will change their mind and so then we can rewind it and we can try it again and see how that would act how everyone would act differently right so it gives kind of that opportunity to sort of experiment with social situations and understand that a little bit better. Yeah, I think I think that's a, an important thing um, because I can tell you this. Like, so I've got three kids right now. One's um, fifteen, one is twelve, and one is nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fifteen-year-old, um, she plays D and D regularly. She probably plays D and D more than I do, just because she has a weekly group that she does it with, yeah. and I don't. <laughs> I don't get to play quite that often. <laughs> You know, being an adult is kind of lame sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, she plays it pretty often. And it's been very good for her because she missed pretty much all of her eighth and ninth grade um, mm-hmm. years, right? And, and, like, she still went to school, but, like, just they didn't have any social activities. You couldn't, like, yeah. go to sports games. Like, you're all wearing masks. You had to sit, like, far apart from each other. And,. You know, and I I was realizing just how important like that those kind of eighth and ninth grade years are for social development, because mm-hmm. I look at how she and her friends act, and I'm like, man, they still act like they're in eighth grade right now, in terms of social stuff. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like intellectual and school learning, like they're right up there with the being sophomores and stuff like that. So um, they're playing, you know, they're playing D and D and. Uh, I see this as ways for them to kind of catch up a little bit mm. socially because they can have these like multiple social encounters in the game where they're making decisions, they're f- seeing consequences of their actions, they're thinking through problems 
that they're having and adjusting to those to those in real time essentially without actually having to go out in the mean streets of virginia which aren't that mean (laughs) but you know in the mean streets of virginia and kind of experience those for themselves right Mm -hmm. um but now she's 15 i know she's a teenager they go through a lot of different stuff you answered a question that i had written down earlier which is kind of like how how young is too young uh to start with rpg and i think that your answer of like well start incorporating it in the early board games right there's no Mm -hmm. reason you can't say oh you know we're playing shoots and ladders and this guy's got to get to the top to become the king you know and so (laughs) you know okay cool let's do it right yeah um so uh yeah i i think that i think the earlier the better and that gives them a lot more opportunities to face some of those social encounters without even realizing it you know Mm -hmm. like your your boy is three years old, and he probably has gone through several iterations of social encounters um, that when he is nine, he won't even probably remember that he did those, but it'll be ingrained in his psyche, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like introducing all of that now, and, you know, everything from, oh gosh, we've covered uh, eating vegetables at dinner. And <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, was one of them, or uh, like that one was we had a character in the game who didn't want to eat their vegetables and they kept getting hungry. And it was like, oh, well, you know, there's vegetables here, why don't they want to eat the vegetables? And we got to the point to where my son, um, actually broke it down was like well maybe um the dragon wants the dad to come and eat dinner and i was like oh this is because my husband was upstairs working in a meeting my uh. kid didn't want to eat until he came down for dinner wow and that was why he was getting upset not over the food and, but, like, because my kid was, like, two and a half at the time, he couldn't really express that fully. Yeah. So it was actually very eye-opening to me, and it helped me to start communicating better with him as well. So, because I was like, okay, there's other causes here. So it was like a light bulb moment for me. Yeah. And, you know, we've used the games to sort of break down, you know, if I notice there's kind of temper tantrums sort of happening, repeat about like the same thing over and over again, we'll put it in the game and the game makes like a safe place to talk about it. It's not in the heat of the moment. Um, My kid's not upset. I'm not trying to like have to rein it in and keep my calm because I'm like, what do I do? You know? So you know, everybody starts out calm and it's the characters in the game going through it. So then we can talk about it and break it down a little bit easier. So there's been situations like that. There's been social situations where, you know, two characters are arguing over the same toy and let's talk about, you know, let's pick, do they want to share? Do they want to take turns? Um, Do they want to find a way to play together? You know, showing that there's different options. So there's like a very wide range of topics to cover in terms of kind of like social emotional 
connections. Um, and then, you know, you can incorporate stuff like exercise and things like that too. Like when the character goes to run around or like does a chase scene, like I'll let my kid run around the house for a little bit, get the wiggles out. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so it, it ends up being like a very immersive playtime and, yeah. uh, it's been very educational for my kid and it's also been very educational for me um, being able to see the different interactions that he has. You know, it's funny It's funny you say that because when you're talking about, you know, learning learning that, you know, your your boy wanted dad to come down and eat with him. Um, you know, I, I approached this podcast as I was looking at it. I was like, okay, well, how can we teach our kids things? How can we teach our kids things? I never even imagined that you could get insight into like how, what their psyche is in the moment, right? Like, what are they thinking and really believing? And I mean, it makes perfect sense to me, but I, I would have never approached it that way. I think that's so insightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wasn't expecting it. And when that happened, I was like, oh, I'm going to use this <laughs> for yeah. like everything now. Um, like, it's not a crutch or anything, but it's a tool. Like, right. anytime that something seems to, you know, it, kids kind of change what's going on, what they're processing, how they're handling things pretty frequently. So, yep. you know, whatever the newest or latest thing is, we can kind of handle it in the game. And it's it's incredibly helpful. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think. I think the approach that you have there is the perfect one, you know, in that um, you are waiting for the right moment to approach it with your child, right? Like, in the heat mm-hmm. of the moment, it's not the time to be like, okay, we're going to play a game <laughs> and right. figure out what's going on. You know, like, that is not the right time. Like, when they're, it's like, okay, like, it's game time. Let's do this. Oh, coincidence. This is the same situation that maybe you were facing. You know what right. I mean? And and here we are. Like, here's the situation that we find ourselves in. And then letting them kind of process work through it. And I think it's, uh, you know, probably an eye-opener for them because they're working. They, maybe they don't, you know, maybe your son doesn't even realize exactly what feelings he's processing. But you do. And mm-hmm. uh, that, I think, is so interesting. Uh, I would have, again, like, I would have never thought that that would have been, like, a side benefit from this. And what a great way for parents to really, really connect with their kids. Like, really yeah. connect with them. Because not only are you sharing, by by you providing the game and setting it up and setting the parameters, you're kind of setting, uh, A, like you said, it's a safe space for them to do things and say things because they know it's make-believe, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, A, it's a safe space, but B, you're setting the parameters to give, like, a little bit of in- instruction through that, right? Like, because you're setting yeah. up the scenarios where you can uh, work through things with them. But then you get to see the results of that and what great feedback that you can see. Like, oh, like my child totally understands this concept or oh wow they are working through some feelings that i didn't realize that they are you know and um it's like instant feedback too as they are processing the situation and and working through the scenarios and uh and and also what a great tool to teach your kids how to work through their feelings on some things Mm -hmm. take a step back 
Let's think about what the consequences are. Let's think about what's happening and, you know, uh, what impacts our choices might make. And then let's make a choice and see what happens. You know, yeah. like what a, what a great tool. What a great tool for that. So, so, uh, you, um, you talked about your blog, which is, uh, ttrpgkids.com and we'll put a link to that in the uh, description. And, um, you said you've got a whole bunch of articles and resources and things like that on there. Um, maybe let's dive into, let's dive into your website a little bit. And, um, I'm curious to know, like where this is going. You said you started about what, like a year ago, year and a half ago. Um, I started putting all the material together about a year ago, and then I okay. launched it, I think, I want to say May of last okay. year. So, so it's, it's been like almost just a year. year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're a year in. Um, I've got your site up here in front of me, and you've got, like, a ton of posts. You've got reviews. You've got interviews that you've done. You have tips and tricks, you know, like where to find certain things feature products you've got a games list that you said you've got like what over 200 resources on there yeah in terms of games that you've either tried or recommended right yep yeah if you go to under the games list sortable games list Uh uh-huh there's ttrpgs for kids and teens and there is a list of 230 plus oh my gosh so and it's growing constantly i imagine oh yes um, and I've got uh, links to anything that I've like reviewed on there. Okay. Um, I've got some of the games that I've made are on there as well. They're kind of they're below the ones that have like the reviews and creator interviews. So I'll also interview creators um, on my site and yeah. kind of get their feedback on why they designed the game the way they did, how they designed it that way. Um, I've interviewed a few parents on here as well who use tabletop games with their kids um, just to get, like, different levels of insight. And, yeah, just kind of... I'm trying to make a hub or, like, a a one-stop shop where you can go to find games that are appropriate for your kid's age... Or and um, like kind of level of engagement, you can find tips and tricks to kind of even out the the learning curve. There's some crafts on there in the tips and tricks, um, ways to make minis uh, for your kids, nice. uh, alternatives to dice, so oh, that way cool. you don't have like choking hazards while you're trying to play with your. Two and a half year old, <laughs> or you just um, get one of the giant ones, right? That you can't even right. fit in two hands, right? Yeah, we've got <laughs> some inflatable ones and like some some chunky kind of foam ones, but yeah. there's also some on there if you don't want to go out and buy it. Um, some different ways of doing randomization mechanics. Yeah, um, some that don't involve counting or actual like number recognition for kids that are still kind of, you know, you want to focus on the story more. Um, reviews i've got some like where to find articles okay that are sort of like um some of them so there's like a holiday guide that i had done but there's also like uh tabletop rpg themed candy or 
Um, so like if there's, you know, a birthday party or something going on, yeah, you can find something. Uh, kid-friendly dice that you can buy if you don't want to make them. Um, a really popular one, maybe relevant here, um, family-friendly tabletop RPG podcast. So, you know, I yeah. like listening to Critical Role, but it's definitely not something I can listen to in front of my kid. <laughs> That's but right. There's some, right, but there's some out there that are okay for that. Um, right, yeah, definitely. You know, they keep the themes and the language okay, so there's some actual play podcasts that you can actually listen to with kids. So, you know, it, my intention is for it to be like a one-stop shop. You can kind of go there, find some resources, um, find some cool people to follow, Um and, yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's amazing. Now I'm looking at your, the games, and of course I am seeing Story Guider, right, which mm-hmm. is your adventures um, that you made. So I'm looking at like Story Guider or TTRPG to play with toddlers. I see Sandy the Dragon Core trilogy. There's an Astronaut trilogy. There's a Betty the Yeti trilogy. So tell me a little bit about these adventures, your the ones that you made, these Story Guiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Story Guider is a um, diceless tabletop role-playing game where this is the one that is aligned with the pre-K curriculum. Oh, so, okay, yep. Um, you, so each of these games has a story that has multiple options throughout it. So there's kind of like you get to a point in the story, there's a chart that gives like, you know, choose option A, B, sometimes C, or there's like discussion points where you talk about what the characters are doing and kind of role play, you know, uh, like the, the Betty the Yeti one there, uh, Betty the Yeti is a very shy Yeti who isn't sure how to approach joining in on the winter festival and all of the like the animals that the winter festival keep kind of like trying to approach betty and betty goes and like hides so you choose (laughs) where betty hides so there's simple choices for kids like you know a two or three year old maybe isn't going to be making major plot decisions right with consequences down the road but it gives them the choice and they get used to actually making a choice and having control over the story. Um, some of the other ones, like the Adventure Chef one, yeah. also includes choices like that. But there's recipes that you can do with your kid in there. So one of them, you know, there's like a smoothie or, you know, which vegetables do you want to add to the soup and things like that. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah. And they all have some kind of element of that social-emotional curriculum. Um, there's some holiday ones thrown in here. There's... I had to do an astronaut one because my kid's into space stuff. <laughs> uh, there's the treasure seekers. So, you know, high seas adventure, stuff like that. So, And um, the last trilogy for this set is coming out in a few weeks and that one is about a young wizard who is just starting their training and that one starts teaching in addition to the social emotional curriculum um, how to track inventory 
oh wow uh, spells and things okay. like that um in order to kind of get kids ready to transition into the next ttrpg nice, um, nice. that they're using so it kind of um flows through here and my intention is it gets like very progressively more uh like advanced or right. getting into the role playing and um slightly introducing some little like mechanics bits with that last one so i uh, should kind of be like a level one intro to yeah. tabletop rpgs that's very cool um and i was looking at uh where you publish these they're on itch.io yep. right uh ttrpgkids.itch.io uh, but if you go to the ttrpgkids.com website and under the uh, games list, obviously the sortable games list, you'll see it there. Uh, you're selling them for like $2 each, which I think is a steal. I mean, I mean, who doesn't want to be the cool dad or uncle or even grandpa, right, or grandma, aunt, or whatever? I mean, you know, I'm not excluding anybody here. But, you know, from my perspective, I get to be the cool uncle that comes in with a great RPG game that I can play with my younger nieces um, that have not played an RPG yet and, you know, probably won't because their parents are like, well, if they want to play a game, we have Monopoly or Sorry or something like that. And let's just be honest, those games are pretty lame. So, <laughs> uh, I say that, we say that just as uh, Monopoly yeah, is a yeah. big uh, punching bag for oh, yeah. us on the show, you know. Yeah, my, my family brought Monopoly to, like, camping trips and... <laughs> It always got very intense. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, you know, there's there's never been a family fight worse than when you started with Monopoly, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I think I, um, yeah, yeah I did mention it, Monopoly actually in that, like, bringing RP into board games. Just oh really? I had to. I had to. <laughs> so so so, how did you bring? Uh, like, what did you do for the RP in Monopoly? Like, oh, who I was mean, the shoe? Like, was it like? A magic shoe? <laughs> well, it's more like you gotta... I think I put Monopoly in there. I, I need to look. I know I did Game of Life, but, um, I mean, for Monopoly, we would just... You know, whoever was, like, the rich one who got Boardwalk... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ...would just... Oh, like you landed on my property <laughs> and like playing it up really big, but you, yeah, you know you gotta yeah. go like over the. Then be the fat cats, right? Yeah, exactly. right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and you can do that with a lot of these. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it was less of the uh, you know magical scenario that was happening and more of the actual role playing. Oh yeah, yeah element, yeah. right? So, but like, yeah, that's like, fun. It makes it fun. Please, so. sir, I ain't got two nickels to rub together. Too bad you gotta pay rent. Right, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, that sounds great. That sounds great. But yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with how much that you have um, that you've written and published. I think that that's amazing, especially for like you know you saying that you really didn't get into this until much later, and uh, boy, you've got a heck of an engineer brain there, you know, <laughs> that really just powers you along. Yeah, and it was like a total research mode, but it's been fun. It's uh, turned out to be a very good hobby, and I've learned a lot, so it's uh, been a good experience. I think this is great. How can people support you in your cause? Um, so, first off, play tabletop role-playing games with your kids, 
and yeah. just have fun. That's the most important one. Um, aside from that, if you want to kind of like tag along, Twitter is mostly kind of where I operate, but I do have a Facebook page and like a Discord. Um, you know, and I'll post, or whenever I do a post, I'll like put a notice there so you can kind of keep up to date. Um, and yeah, I've got uh, my games on itch. And yeah. yeah, but number one thing, play games with your kids, post about it. If you use hashtag TTRPG kids, especially on like Twitter or um, Instagram, I'll find it and I will nice. um, definitely share the good news. Um, I love hearing about when people have played games, especially, you know, if they found something on the site that clicked, like that, that hits me in the feels. <laughs> so um, yeah. That's sure. that's the number one thing is play play games with your kids, use the resources, and have some fun. So uh, as you probably noticed, uh, our presence on Twitter is relatively new, mm-hmm. um, and it's funny because I was on there for a little bit. I, I mean, I've had a couple of different Twitter accounts and subsequently deleted all of them because <laughs> I have I have famously said that Twitter is the bathroom wall of the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> which is like people will just write things and you're like, I don't want to read this, but I'm here, yeah. you know. Um, but I, with that said, uh, I have been very careful about where I am venturing with this tabletop and beyond account. So because I really want to keep it within the gaming community and the tabletop stuff and, you know, the political stuff and the some of the other cultural yeah. stuff. Like, I just don't want to even like foray into that, you know, and so. Um, I just, uh, so far it's been very good though. And I've had a very great experience and, uh, you know, like the community that you're running with, I think it's great. And they're all, all seem to be very helpful and, and want to, want to just promote gaming in general. And I think that that's great. Yeah. Yeah. The, the indie, um, like tabletop RPG community, uh, on Twitter has been pretty awesome. Um, there's pretty solid group of people on there that you know kind of supporting each other helping each other's projects um doing collaborations and it's been very positive so yeah if um pretty much if you like anybody that i interview for the site or that i do a game review for um it's somebody that like i feel is okay yeah (laughs) um and so if you want to kind of use that as a little bit of a base for kind of starting out in that zone, um, that would probably be my recommendation. Like, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that'd be great. And, you know, I mean, we, uh, like I told you, I think in the, you know, when we were communicating earlier, we're three dads, right? Like I've got three kids, Dan's got three kids and Jason's got six kids. And uh, I know, right? <laughs> I'm like, holy cow, dude. Uh, so, yeah, so he's got quite a bit. And so, like, we are busy dads, but we love gaming. And it's funny because one of our resolutions, we, we did a New Year's resolution show at the uh, beginning of the year. And one of our resolutions across the board without really talking to each other was we want to game more with our families. You know, like we want to, we want to spend more of that time where we're just like, we're actually gaming with them. And, um, and I think that 
you outlined exactly why we want to do that, right? Which is the storytelling aspect of that, one, helps us uh, shape and mold some of their social experiences and helps us teach them some of the lessons that we have learned in our life. And the second part, and I think the most important one, is we get an insight into what the, who they are as people. Right. Mm -hmm. And and what they're thinking and what challenges they have and what difficulties they have and and, um, you know, or maybe what 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 they're really good at, too. You know, like you can you can sometimes see that they're really good at something by playing games with them as well. So um, I I think that subconsciously we were looking for those things in the revel in the resolutions that we made. But I think that you very well articulated them here on the show with us. Well, thank you, and I applaud you for uh, having that as your New Year's resolution, and I think that your families are going to have a lot of fun with this. So Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm excited to dive in and, and check it out, and so I know that there's a lot of people on our um, in our gaming group. We, we too, have a Discord um, that, we, that we chat a lot in, and there's a lot of people in there that have pretty young kids as well, so I guarantee you that they'll be looking at this resource as a, as a way to, to game. So thank you for putting this together. Thank you for coming on our show. Uh, I loved having you and, uh, you know, on here with us and it's just been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you. I've had fun too. Thank you for having me on here. It's been good chatting with you. Yes, definitely. So for all of our listeners out there, please check out Steph's work. Go to ttrpgkids.com. Uh, look her up on Twitter. Uh, it is at Steph C, right? Is that your your handle there? Um, yeah, let me. There's I have to look too. <laughs> I always forget it. Uh, Steph Camp Seven. Um, it's like Steph T. Steph C loves TTRPGs, but if you go to like the um, at TTRPG Kids. That's yeah. the main TTRPG Kids one, and they're like kind of linked if you look in the description. So okay, cool. Yeah, so check her out on Twitter. Uh, she's got a Facebook page too. Give her some love out there, guys, because she's done a she's done a lot of work here for for the rest of us uh, noobs in the in the area. So I <laughs> uh, appreciate you, Steph. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody, you have a good night and uh, keep on rolling those dice. <laughs>